What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, it's your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast and the Green with Envy basketball team, the one and only <laughs> Greg Manake. What's going on, man? What's good, brother? How we doing? We doing good. I mean, hey, coach, we're we're back to one and one. I know everybody here is is always excited when the boys get back out there in the rec league. So mm-hmm. uh, we're back in the win column after last night. So I know you got to be feeling good. You you said you were you were texting the group chat today. You've been thinking about plays and basketball all day. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I got to the gym around like four thirty after work, and I had been like pantomiming all the moves from the game last night and just like going through plays in my head. Sent out some horns action, some old Brad Stevens sets to the crew to watch and study up for the next game. And I got to the gym. I brought my shoes. I brought my ball. And I, the first thing I go in, I take a ju- jump shot. An immediate pain in my knee. And I was like, oh, <laughs> right. I guess I guess I'm not shooting around today. So I ended up just doing like 30 minutes of form shooting, like at the free throw line. Which, by the way, I'm very happy to say, I although I have not hit a three pointer this season, I have not missed a free throw, which I'm very proud of. Hey, we all got to play our roles here. Apparently, you know, you're on that Al Horford plan, no back-to-backs. Yeah. Uh, can't be getting back out there. But I, so you hit me up about shooting around, and I kind of thought about everything you just said in in some form went through my head. Mm-hmm. Because before our game uh, last week, or maybe two weeks ago, you know, I had a little bit of time. I had some family in town, had a little bit of time to go get that workout in. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just go for like a little over a mile run, and then I'm going to shoot around for 20 minutes. This will be perfect. This will be a quick, compact, 35, 40 minute workout. Of course, there were some kids playing there. So I started, you know, all right, I'll take it light. This is good. Get a little light workout in. Got down the stance a little bit too low one time to try and play some defense on a 19 year old. Didn't, didn't yeah. go so well. Heard that, felt that in the back and immediately called it. But see, now, this is where our maturity comes in. Yeah. You felt it, and immediately you pivoted. I felt it, and immediately I stopped. That, I'm pretty proud of us, man. Usually, we would have tried to play through it like some, like some true knuckleheads. Can't argue with the body, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> the body knows all. The body knows all. But all right, so for this episode, we wanted to start in some place uh, a little bit different. We're going to get to everything Celtics related. We put out a Twitter poll in our Green with Envy Um uh, on our Twitter account the other day that we're going to talk about, about a panic level, see where everybody's at. Got to just check in right now. So this coming off a win against the Blazers. So hopefully feeling like things are getting a little bit better. This, this poll was put out just before that, but we want to check in with everybody. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, this past week going up against some East contenders. We're going to talk about now being in the two seed. Grant, Joe Missoula, crazy Joe Missoula, something going on there. By the way, I have another crazy anecdote, which I don't know if you saw, but we're going to talk about some more crazy Joe Missoula antics. Uh, And then we're going to preview the upcoming six-game road trip for the Celtics. But I think without a doubt, probably the biggest story from last night, Greg. Last night, in between one of the breaks during the Celtics game, they were asked, if you could have one meal for the rest of your lives, what would it be? And the Celtics went through and gave their answer. So. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to go through and read everybody's answer to you, Greg. Okay. And then I want you to give to me what's the worst answer and what's the best answer, okay? Okay. And is worst meaning what I think is just not the best food? Yeah, just I mean it just it, it can be what's the worst food or it can be that's an insane answer because you have one meal for the rest of your lives and you can't eat that over and over again. Even if it's a good food, I think it could be the the answer because it's it's you got to you got to think about the con- 
Context matters, Greg. Mm. We're a context okay. matters show. All right, my brain, right. my brain is working, man. I, as I said, so I you, you back take from it the gym. You will. All right, you take, you take it where you will. But here we go. So let's start with Jalen Brown: rice, fruit, and steamed veggies. Al Horford: rice, beans, veggies, and I know he added in some uh, some fried plantains there. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that. By the way, shout out to Jack Simone. I'm using your tweet for this. Appreciate you putting everything together. Marcus Smart: see, Al, uh, seafood Alfredo. Peyton Pritchard: pasta. Blake Griffin: Italian. I like that. Left a little vague. Derek White. Chicken, different sauces, and rice. <laughs> Grant Williams, some version of fried rice. Malcolm Brogdon, hot wings. Sam Hauser, medium well steak and mashed potatoes. Jason Tatum, tacos, Taco J. And Luke Cornett, also tacos, but originally answered his wife's chicken Alfredo. Don't know if you've ever had it, Greg, so feel free to go ahead and say Luke Cornett's wife's chicken Alfredo, <laughs> but I'm not sure if that's going to be the one that you go with here. But all right, let, let's start with what's the worst answer out of those? Ooh, um, I feel like it's got to be Sam Hauser. First of all, who gets a very well done steak? That's just <laughs> insane. Like of all the steaks that you get, like how like what cut of meat are you getting that you feel like you need to get it well done? Like the the most cooked you're gonna go with this steak is medium, right? Like it's always yeah, medium 100%. rare. Like, yeah, medium rare is the way to go. So I think Sam Hauser, although I do love steak and potatoes, like that I would I would eat that almost every day in my life as well. I just think the idea of a very well done steak is insanity. Um, what are your? Yeah, it was it was that? it was met with a lot of booze. Like that was immediate. <laughs> I was watching it and I was I was interested because this is this is a pretty good topic. And you know, as soon as I heard, because they were kind of cutting back to um to the broadcast when this happened. So on League Pass, you get to kind of watch these things as they're playing out until they come back. So it was right as Hauser, you could just hear him say medium well steak, and then it transitioned to the to the broadcast, and all you heard was just a smattering of booze. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a wild answer. I know he's a Wisconsin boy. This is like, I think, you know, a Midlands, like heart of the United States, meat and potatoes. Who was, mm-hmm. who was the guy from the Red Sox that was, uh, that was like, I think Mitch Moreland when okay. he's like, what do you, yeah. what, what do you eat to keep your body in line? Meat and potatoes. Like, yeah. all right, bro, I get it. Like, calm down, man. But that's, yeah, that's like a wild bad answer. I think the only other one that is in contention as a bad answer, and it hurts me to say this as the chicken wing king. Malcolm Brogdon, hot wings. I mean, that's I, I love hot wings so much. If that's the only meal you're going to eat for the rest of your lives, like this is what I was saying at the beginning when you asked me to define how these go. Mm-hmm. Like in that context, hot wings is a wild answer. Well, here's my thing. I, I feel like a lot of them were kind of misinterpreting the question. Like if the question is what's like your last meal on earth, maybe hot wings is the best answer. Yeah, maybe, that's fine. Yeah, right? But if you're going to go – you need to eat this thing over and over for the rest of your life. One, you got to consider your health as well. So like the <laughs> well-balanced meal, I think, is the way to go. So the first couple of guys, I think it was Jalen and Al that had like the protein, they had the vegetables, they had the carbs. That's going to keep you feeling good for the rest of your life. It might not be the sexiest pick. It might not taste the best, but you know like overall you're going to feel good. Can you imagine if like your favorite food in the entire world became your least favorite food because that was the only thing that you were allowed to eat. This is how I feel about like steak in general and cake, steak and cake. I love both of those things. I can only eat those like once a month max because if I have Mm -hmm. it too much, I start to like take for granted how good steak can taste, how good a chocolate cake with chocolate frosting can, can taste, bro. Like I need to 
limit the amount that I have my favorite things. Because if you have it too much, you know me, man. Like I am, I am a man of extremes. If okay. I like I was, something, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was waiting for that because I was going to say, if I know anything, so from from my time living with you, you know, sometimes you just eat soup for a week and a half. Oh, like yeah, it's, it's one, it's, it's one of the most insane things I've ever seen. Or there's times where, you know, you'll go on a, a quote unquote diet where it's just, you just cut cheese out because you've spent the last two months eating cheese on everything. <laughs> and so it's, it, it's these extremes. So I know that you can relate to this particular question mm-hmm. very well. And I think you're right. I think, I think the variety that both Jalen and Al have is, is in the ballpark of, of probably the right answer. I also want to shout out Derek White. I mean, we know that I love Derek White on the show, and we're going to talk some more Derek White here in a little bit. But chicken and the different sauces, mm-hmm. I think that was an important addition. And then rice is just a good side. Rice is, is, is you know, especially when you mix it with the different sauces. See, the different sauces, now you get to mixing up that flavor, right? You mm-hmm. have your two staples, and then you can kind of work around that with the different sauces that you have. So I think between Jalen Al and Derek, those are probably the the three best answers that that the Celtics gave. Yeah, if it's the one meal you're eating for the rest of your life, right? But okay, so let me throw this to you. If it were your last meal on earth, what are you going with? Because I feel like that that's the better question. Yeah, if it's the last meal. Ooh, I, I mean, this is where like I'm I'm a big hot wing guy. So so Brogdon's got me thinking, but I think if it's my last meal, I want a little bit more variety. I don't just want one thing, you know, mm-hmm. and hot wings are just so dominant. Like they go hard and they dominate in the paint. But I, I think I'm going to go with it'd be some type of of Chinese food compilation, maybe some dim sum. Like I think that's where I would go because I mm-hmm. can get a bunch of different things that I can get a pork bun. I can get some, you know, I can get some dumplings. I can get the, you know, the rice and the sticky leaf. Like there's just a lot more of things that I really like that all can kind of be under, under that umbrella. So this is me answering the question without then being like, Oh, chocolate cake from this one location and mm-hmm. pasta from this one location yeah. and a burger from this other, which, which I think technically you could do, but that's just cheating in my opinion. So okay. if I have to do it, I'd find one good place, one good dim sum place or one really good Chinese food place. And that's, that would be where I would build my, my final meal from. How about you? Mm. I'm tempted to go with uh, a very well done steak, <laughs> but like a, like a prime rib, like a medium rare. Now that rare. Sam Hauser mentions it, you know, that does sound pretty good. Uh, a, a, like medium rare prime rib, like aged for like I don't know how long they age steaks for, but aged for a significant amount of time, I think would be really great along with some like garlic mashed potatoes, a buttery garlic mashed potatoes with some like onions and spinach on the side, like caramelized onions, I think could be really good. Dessert, obviously chocolate cake all day, maybe some uh, chocolate lava cake, avalanche cake. Um, but I really, really like my mom's General Gao's chicken that she makes. Um, for those good. of you out I've there that – that don't know anything about me. I am half Chinese. My mom is Chinese. So she makes some bomb ass Chinese food and her general Gao's chicken is mwah, chef's kiss. Uh, shout out to mom. I like that. I like, let's keep it wholesome. Let's keep it in the family. And you know what, Greg, we've stalled long enough. Let's, 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 let's get into some can actual. It, can can I ask you one more thing? Up. One more thing. King, he's back. Okay. What's up? So this isn't about food. But mm-hmm. if you could, if you had the option, you're on this deserted island or whatever, and you have a device that allows you to play sports, right? But you can only pick one season of a team to watch. Which season are you reliving over and over again? Which team in which season? 
so, so that's all. So a, a team in a season that that's already happened. And it's the only sports I can watch forever and ever on this deserted island. Yeah, but you get one season. So you could pick like the the 2000 Patriots or the 2004 Red Sox. You know I mean, I mean, this is easy. It's the 0708 Celtics. You go in Celtics over Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, listen, I in, in a former life, baseball is my number one love. I mean, that's just not the case. I mean, if you're asking this to Will and. 2007 it's probably some type of, of Red Sox season but mm. since then it, it's easily been you know very dominated with the Celtics and you know let's just be real baseball gets really boring I'm, I'm all for this new pitch clock they got going and then let's see what happens it feels like a, a new wrinkle to the game although there is an old man purist in me that from like actually playing the game I'm like I don't know man like mm-hmm. as a guy who didn't have a lot of steam like I had to like kind of mix it up on these runners a little bit like it is going to put you know guys who don't have the top tier skill at a big disadvantage with some of the tricks you can do but now there's new tricks that you can kind of work on but if I'm just watching you know old school baseball games it's just it, I just haven't felt that same connection to baseball in the way that I feel it with basketball still. And I think back to the reason why, you know, since I was, what were we, 18, 19, whenever that, you know, that championship was happening, like since then, that's been the biggest part of my life. If you're asking me this question today as a 33 year old, that's easy. My answer with, without even hesitating. Okay. One, th- the only other thing I was considering was watching a season in like the prime 80 Celtics. Like, do I pick the 86 Celtics? Because I, we weren't there for that. And everyone right. talks about how it that feels was new. But yeah, that was one of the greatest teams of all time. You know, the basketball is a little different back then. But I think watching the 86 Celtics, something that I still to this day have not gone back and watched every single game from that season, which at some point I would like to do. I think that would be my alternate answer. But you're right. 0708 Celtics all day. Yeah, that's that's the one. And, you know, with that, we're hoping that this version's team 2022-2023 is going to end up the same way. But as with all seasons, there come some road bumps along the way. And obviously the Celtics have hit a few of those looking back over the last week and a half or so, you know, starting with a game against the New York Knicks, which they lose on the road, come back, have a nice win against the Cavaliers at home, followed up by three games that I think really kind of sent Celtics Twitter, Celtics fandom into a bit of a tailspin here, lose a big, big lead to the Brooklyn Nets at home, lose that game by double digits, come back and a two overtime thriller against the Knicks that left some of us on this podcast wondering if they were still going to have a relationship by the time (laughs) it ended because the game just would not end and then followed up by a really heartbreaking another overtime loss to the Cavaliers and as I said at the beginning of this podcast kind of righted the ship here with a win a nice easy win a nice solid win against the Mm -hmm. Portland Trailblazers at home before they hit this road trip and so with that Greg I asked out to our Twitter following Instagram as well but mostly on Twitter where where are we at as a fan base on a one to ten panic level now this was before the Portland game but I wanted to get a read where everybody's at and so these are kind of the I, I tried to tier it we talk about tiers and context on the show a lot so I put it out there as if you're a one to three you're kind of feeling like guys this happens we're still going to the eastern conference finals i still feel like this is us and the bucks this is our conference we'll see the bucks there and we'll figure it out four to six you're growing concerned you're starting to let it creep into your head a little bit we end up in a you know in a seven game series with the Cavs or knicks can they can they squeeze this out you know if we don't have rob williams who's out once again for seven to ten days 
you know, are we going to have enough bodies to go against Joel Embiid? Or, you know, what the hell's going on with Grant Williams and Joe Missoula? That's that's the growing concern, four to six range. And then seven to ten is you're in a full-on panic where you think, oh, God, if we play Miami, we're probably going to lose at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and luckily, I was happy to report that there was a very, very low percentage that fell into that seven to ten range. So it felt like mostly everybody was still feeling Pretty confident, you know, 58.5% in that one to three range, 36.6% in that four to six range. Greg, where do you find yourselves now as the Celtics are now with the two seed, two full games behind the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference? Well, context clues, do you know what I voted for? I'm going to say see you in the Eastern Conference, one to three. Well, as you, if you looked at the screen, my friend, you would see a check mark next to seven to ten. Please, oh. not Miami round one. I was one of the four point nine percent of people that voted seven to ten. But Poor it's not shame. Tell me more. It's not that I'm panicking, but I just really don't want to play Miami in round one. Um, my guy Celtics Canada hit me up on Twitter, and he was just like, "Hey, man, like Joe Mazzulla is a real problem. Like if if." we end up in a, a matchup with a good coach. Like we're going to be at a huge disadvantage. And I don't think that for all coaches that are out there, but Spo in particular, like Spo is one of the, if not the best, he's one of the best coaches in the entire league. He's going to get everything he can out of the Miami heat. And like a two, seven matchup with the heat right now is the likely scenario in my opinion. So I was expecting the Nets to fall out of the top six and, and Miami to actually take the six seed. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I put out my predictions for what, what that would happen and I had Miami at six. But if Miami ends up at seven and we stay at the two seed, which I think is likely to happen, I do not want to see the Miami Heat in round one. But if we take that away, just like in general, my feelings about the Heat, I would probably put myself in growing concern because there are some signs here with this team especially the inability to close out games, Joe Mazzulla's end of game lineups, his rotations being out of whack and all that stuff. Like there's definite concern for me. How about you? I mean, I, I still, I'm on the border of that three, four. So either still see you in the Eastern conference, but probably leaning towards that four. Cause I do feel like there's been some growing cracks in the armor here with the Celtics team over, you know, not even just this recent stretch, just in general. I mean, I was looking at this earlier, you, we we talked about this a few episodes ago. We get this idea of who this team is. And a lot of that was formed in that first month and a half where, holy crap, this team is an offensive juggernaut. Well, if you start to look at it, so in October, November, they were first in offensive rating in the entire league by, by a pretty fair margin. I mean, they were on a historic pace. Since then, in December, they were 27th in the league. In January, they were 19th. February, back up the seventh, and it's only been five games in March, but they're 21st in the league. So this offense isn't terrible, but neither is it historic. Like this offense has not been great for a long time. And so I think you've been seeing that there are issues, which is why I think I fall into that growing concerns. You know, when you talk specifically about the Miami Heat, I'm with you. Spolstra is a coach that that definitely keeps me up at night. But at the same time, I just don't think that roster is built to to, to really to really beat the Celtics. And I respect the Heat enough that I, number one, just for my own sanity, I'm just sick of playing the Miami Heat in yeah, playoff same. series. It's ugly basketball. It's not fun. We could hop on playback and try to make it fun, but it's still not. Like, it's just ugly, brutal, bruising basketball. And you got to wonder about Jimmy Butler and, and Bam Adebayo when you get into that situation. But I think ultimately they would prevail but I think I think the growing concern area is really where I'm landing with this team. 
you look at, you know, some of these matchups they've had with the Knicks and the Cavs, especially, you know, and I think the Cavs, they beat them at full strength. And then just, it was a miracle. They were even in overtime. Never mind the Grant free throws. I know that's a terrible look, but when you think about what happened the night before and the fact that they were there with a chance to win at the very end, like that's impressive within itself. But you look at just some of the matchups with the Knicks and you start to think about, you know, we talked about it. Is Rob Williams out again? How reliable is he going to be? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Grant Williams and, and Joe Missoula. I'm very confused as to what's going on with that situation. And, you know, with the offense trending the way it is, and I think a lot of the Celtics, I think when they have, bad offensive possessions that's what leads to the brooklyn comeback they start getting casual they start getting nonchalant the ball stops moving they start getting bad shots and that turns into the to the to the brooklyn nets or another team being able to make that comeback to me it's very you know visible when you watch the game their bad offense is what turns into the comebacks for these teams the defense has been holding up its part for the most part when they don't have that bad offense to initiate the offense for those other teams Yeah. And I think it's all like the mindset of the best players. You know, if the best players come out and they're willing to move the ball, like in that Cavs game, I thought Jalen did an unbelievable job just being willing to make the extra pass. He ended up with nine assists in that game. And throughout the game, I felt like he was just making the right decision over and over again. And it really felt like he went into the game knowing he has to move the ball. He can't do it all by himself. There's no Tatum in that game. He has to be the guy to kind of set the tone for the team that, yeah, he can still score the ball, but he's going to do it a little differently than he has done when Tatum's on the floor. Right. And if the entire team comes out and for, you know, maybe they can't do it for a full 48 minutes, but limiting the amount of minutes in which they're not thinking extra pass and beautiful game basketball, which we know they can do, but for whatever reason, they just like stop doing that at the end of quarters and at the end of games. And I know that, you know, for all the crap we give Missoula, the sound bites Joe Missoula gives are great. Like they're not just coach speak. He's always saying like, guys, this is, we're not playing the right way. Like this, when we play this way, when we make the extra pass, when we do this, when we do that, that's what makes us great. This is who we need to be for the rest of the season. Like all these great things that he says in the huddles. Like if I was in the huddle as a player, I'd be like, hell yeah, Joe, like you're, you're, you're saying the right thing. How about you like put the right lineup on the court? You know what I mean? You're one step away. You're so close, Joe. Cause like, that's the thing that gives me hope with Missoula is that I think at the end of the day, he says the right things. But as we've said all year, there's still a learning curve for him Mm -hmm. and he needs to learn these lessons sooner rather than later. And I actually think the last game um, in which we blew out the Blazers, we got lucky. Shout out Chauncey Billups for just like not playing any of your good players in the fourth quarter. And like when they got it to 14 (laughs) with five minutes left, I was like, oh, imagine he puts Dane back in. Maybe they're tired. I don't know what happened in that game, but they just didn't put anybody back in the game, which allowed us not to put anybody back in the game. But hopefully that like, you know, a light bulb goes off for Joe and he's able to say like, oh, in the fourth quarter, like maybe I don't just have to put Jalen Brown back in the game with eight minutes because that's what I always do. You know what I mean? Like these little things game to game where he can be a little bit more flexible, um, just like in his thinking, because he's just way too stubborn. And I I respect it because I know you as a coach, you have to have firm beliefs in, in, in your philosophies as a coach. But like he also needs to recognize at the end of the day, Derek White has been the third best player for the Celtics most of the season. He should be on the court in crunch time. I love that you just said that. I was thinking about this earlier, uh, probably earlier this week. And if I have to rank the Celtics this year, obviously Jalen and, and Jason are going to be the, the top two. I think it's pretty clear Derek White has been the third best player on this team. 
and and this is and this is no um you know this this is not a comment against Marcus Smart. I think he's probably been the I, I think I'd probably put Al Horford over Marcus Smart as well, just for importance this year. And, and that's not to be, you know, that's not to uh, you know, to speak ill of, of Marcus Smart or to say that he's had a bad year. I mean, just from availability and from what's the production's been on the court, the Jays are obviously always going to be the most important to. Derek White and Al Horford are are the next two guys on that. And for me, you know, I had this conversation with Adam a couple weeks ago where when you look at those closing lineups, there's three guys to me that are always going to be in there. And it's pretty, pretty damn close to Derek White might having to be the fourth one that's always in there. And then that fifth spot is what do we need? Is it Marcus? Is it Brogdon? Grant, Rob? I don't, I mean, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get into that here in just a minute, but let's actually take a, a, a quick break and then we'll come back and, and, and talk about that and some of those issues. So as always, Greg, we're always trying to figure out what is going on the mind of crazy Joe Missoula. Like you said, <laughs> he he does. It, it's really it's been a really weird year getting to know Joe. You know, like you said, he does give some answers that are insightful, that are just, you know, they're deadpan, they're transparent, they're honest. But then you you kind of scratch your head at some of the decisions that that go along with it. Um, by the way, before I get into this next part, so the newest fact that I've learned about my <laughs> my case towards Joe Missoula being some form of a robot or other alien life form. Uh, I forget which morning show it was in Boston, but it it was it had Ted Johnson, the former Patriots linebacker, was was in they were interviewing Joe Missoula. And he referenced the conversation he had with Missoula. I don't know if it was earlier this year, maybe last year. This man, I mean, this is lending some real credence to the crazy Joe Missoula. He sleeps with duct tape on his mouth. <laughs> Why? It's something about it's uh, like a breathing thing and just helps him get better sleep. He's, he does he does mention later that he's transitioned to some form of a of a mouth guard now, which is more normal. But this man was literally sleeping with can you imagine walking in on your significant other and like seeing duct tape over their mouth? I'd be like, I'd, I'd, I'd literally be like, there's somebody in the bathroom that's about to come out and kill me. You know I'd what I mean? I'd, I'd run out and call 911 and just figure there's someone in the house. I gotta, I gotta go ahead and, and call 911 and get some help out here. So I don't know. That blew my mind. I had to share that with you. I had a feeling that you would uh, you would enjoy this piece of evidence. That's freaking hysterical. Um, yeah, Joe, you know how I feel about Joe. I've, I've kind of given my thoughts off the record on why he is the way that he is. But um, I just he, – he's, he's a character, dude. He's such a character and he's frustrating to watch. Just like Ime was frustrating last year. Like there were a lot of times last year – like everyone now, revisionist history is like, oh, Ime was such a great coach. He's like, was he really? Like he 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 definitely rubbed a lot of people the wrong way for the like the first four months yeah. of the and, season. And this is what makes it. And this is why I got to give Joe some you know some credit. And I and I and I can't be too overly critical. You, you can't do anything to make fans happy, right? Because with Ime, part of the big issue to your point was before things changed and became man Ime was the right coach he got to this guy's tough love it was hey dude can you stop calling out everybody after every game like yeah can, what, you, what, can you stop sending respective all-stars to the corners and go <laughs> iso dennis 
Like yes. that was our fourth quarter offense. And maybe, hey, you, I mean, no, our fourth quarter offense this year sucks. So like maybe yeah. we should have done that. Maybe we should go back to that. But but to your point, we were it, it took to that Knicks game that broke us. We we were just, I, to this day, the R.J. Barrett bank shot, and I think it was late January. That to me is the moment the season changed because that was the last time we saw Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder out there because, you know, he may realize he can go into his settings on NBA 2K and actually switch out the lineups and, and mix them up a little bit. And so then we started to see a, a change in that. But when it comes to, you know, Joe Missoula, he is experimenting. He is doing more. So it's the exact opposite. We're still not happy, right? Because we're like, where's the continuity? What are we doing here? How does this make any type of sense right now? And that's where I think with Joe Missoula, it it really gets to, and this is a great point by our guy Winfred here checking in uh, on YouTube. He may had Romeo, Neesmith, and Schroeder at the beginning of the season. Please don't act like he did not <laughs> turn this team around. We're not even saying that. He, he definitely did, but my point was we were super unhappy with him the first half of the season, the way that he was managing that team. And then once it started to work, it became, man, he may really knows what he's doing. And with Missoula, he's doing the opposite of where he is mixing it up. He is experimenting, which is part of what we asked for with Ime. And now we're kind of asking for, hey, man, uh, we thought we had like an eight-man rotation. Uh, and then the rest, we would, you know, f- you know, fix little little holes, little divots here and there. And now I don't know what the hell to expect. Because Grant Williams is on this run where, you know, throw the Cleveland free throws to the side. You know, people were worried about his three-point shoot. He went four or five in that game. Yeah, it sucks he missed those free throws. Uh, I mean, that's two games this year. Knicks game, Cleveland game, where two different Celtics just miss. All we do is make free throws, and we have two more wins on this season. But mm-hmm. you know what? That happens. And so I, I don't really want to kill Grant for that. But you look at his playing time since the All-Star break. The last game against Portland, basically a DNP. He only played – he played 12 minutes, so it makes it look like it's closer to his average. But that's only because he played in the fourth quarter with, as you mentioned, Greg, the Blazers took out all their guys. And so he was basically playing with that second unit. And and this one is really hard for me to figure out what Joe Mazzulla's thinking is because if it was the elbow, which was why maybe Grant wasn't playing earlier, then you don't play him with the scrubs. You just yeah. keep him on the bench for the game. So kind of throw that out the window. And then you look at a guy like Grant, I don't get what Missoula is doing because when you look at the teams, the Celtics have to play when it gets to, you know, nut crunch time. When they play the Bucks, he's needed against Giannis. When you play the 76ers, he's needed against Embiid. When you play the Knicks, he's needed against Randall. When you play Miami, he's needed against Bam. So in the majority of series, they're going to play in the postseason. This guy's going to be needed. So why are we kind of messing around with his minutes, the mentality? Like, I just don't get what the plan is with Grant. Maybe you can help me out. Yeah, and I think there's some credence to what you were just saying in that, like, in the Knicks game, right, we needed to go up against Julius Randle. Not that Grant did a great job on Julius, but I think he was the one guy that is able to, you know, withstand the battering ram that is Julius Randle for that many minutes. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, like, put put somebody else, you know, put Marcus Smart on. Marcus Smart can guard him a couple of times, but if you ask Marcus Smart to guard Julius Randle every single possession, he will go down as he did when he got like need in the nuts, you know, yeah. like there's, you can't thing- do that for seven games. If they end up in a series. Exactly. You can't do that. So like the fact that Joe played grant against the Knicks, the extent that he did tells me that he might actually be telling the truth when he says he just thinks it's matchup based and that there is no other grand plan other than he just knows in some matchups, Grant Williams, he thinks is the best option for the Celtics, especially on the defensive end. Now to me, my point would be like, well, 
Derek White, as we just said, is the third best player on the team. Like in crunch time, Derek White has got to be on the court and we can figure it out for five minutes. We can figure out a way to like, you know, double team Julius Randle if we need to, you know, with Derek White on the court. Like there are other ways that we can go about it versus sacrificing one of your best players all year for someone who's just not as good. And Grant Williams is not as good as Derek White is. So maybe it's not like. Maybe it's only you go offense, defense more, Joe, use a timeout. You know what I mean? Like there, there are ways in which you can still maximize Grant Williams' effectiveness on the court while still being able to throw Derek White on their, you know, majority of those minutes because we all agree Derek White is the third best player in the Celtics this year. Yeah, Derek White needs to be in basically every closing scenario for this team. He's just too good right now. There's there's just no other way to look at it. I've been on the all-defensive kick for for Derek White for a while now. you know, and, and I think his offense, other than the J.J. Redick curse spell that he had after appearing on the podcast and seemingly forgetting how to shoot for a little bit, I mean, he's having a career year shooting the ball. And, and we always talk about the decisions he makes, the way that he can guard multiple positions. He definitely feels like a guy that that needs to to be out there but in your and you know let's just go back to grant with the matchups things for a minute and shout out to to landon for chiming in here as well that yeah i mean i i guess i see that it's it's in some ways matchup based but i i still don't understand a game like the portland game where he just doesn't play and then plays with the scrubs like i don't there's part of it where you know you think about with with a guy like like grant was like this is the first time i've had these thoughts where We've debated a lot. What's Grant's value going to be in the offseason? And this is, you know, more of a topic for the offseason. But you look at the way that Joe Mazzula is utilizing him. And, you know, this is the first time I've really thought, man, there's a pretty good chance that Grant might just not be back with the Celtics. And not because a team comes and overpays him. Just maybe the Celtics don't see him or at least the head coach they just committed to does not see him as essential as I thought he was throughout lot of last year and throughout most of this year up until recently that he's a true solidified role player in an eight-man rotation that's seeing minutes night in and night out and this is the first time i'm feeling like yeah maybe maybe this is just the last year of grant with the celtics yeah and like that might happen i just think with grant he's gonna have to earn his money in the playoffs like throughout an 82 game season there are always guys that i mean early in the season dude everybody was on jalen like people want a Jalen out of Boston. It's like, what what are we talking about here? Like, why why are we trying to send Jalen Brown our second best player? Like, we're so lucky to have him. And, you know, it seemed like 70% of Twitter was just all over Jalen Brown all the time. Even like on Celtics blog, there were a lot of people writing a lot of negative Jalen Brown articles. And it's just like, is is this really like the hill that we want to be on right now? Like talking about Jalen Brown not being the right second banana like does that make sense and then with grant like it seems he's kind of just taking over that mantle for celtics nation right now and i think really it's just because he's kind of annoying you know like everyone sees (laughs) him bitching and moaning to the refs all the time and he's not a great player so a role player shouldn't really be doing that so i think like the fact that he is just a little bit annoying it rubs fans the wrong way and it was endearing last year and it's like oh he's quirky he likes settlers of Catan and all this stuff and this year it's just like all right Grant settle down like you're not worth 20 million dollars you probably should like bet on yourself do your thing but like you should probably be happy with 12 to 15 like that that that's a good price for you if you just embrace that I think when people heard that he didn't he you know he didn't want to take the deal the Celtics offered him he, he wanted to bet on himself I'm sure a lot of people are just like dude come on like sacrifice for the team but like you know this is his one chance to make a lot of money in the league and like you can't really fault him for that but that's kind of how I'm feeling right now we got yeah. a comment here from from Winford uh, he says I want Grant to leave if he's not going to have a role where the defense is coming from I have no idea Gallo Moose 
Hauser, Rob, one Rob third a third of the time. Of the time. I great, like that last point. part. But that's but that's also, you know, one of the things that I was thinking of as I'm starting to feel like this is the first time that this might be Grant's last year here is we, we talked about it, but from a different angle of, oh, you go get Muscala because he has a team option for next year. Gallo should be coming back next year. And it's like, oh, hey, that's insurance if Grant leaves. But in that scenario, I feel like the thinking was always, oh, someone went and, and gave Grant the bag for, you know, 18 to 20 million. The Celtics were like, yeah, it's too rich. We're out. We'll get by with Muscala and Gallo for a year and then we'll kind of figure it out. From there, the scenario that I'm starting to see now feels a lot more like maybe we we just don't think Grant's that dude. He's not him, as I believe is something that the kids would say. He is not that dude in the eight man rotation for us. But you know that's something that that I think time will will only tell. I do appreciate you uh, <laughs> uh, in in the comments here on YouTube. Uh, Greg is is letting us know about some of the other off court activities going on uh, with Grant Williams, which maybe they play a role. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't, but let's uh let's let's move on here, Greg. Let let's move on to looking ahead here. So Celtics beat the Trailblazers uh, the other night. We're recording this on Thursday. Going to drop Thursday night, Friday morning for those of you listening on the podcast. Celtics are getting set to go on a six game road trip, which they're gonna they're gonna be all over the place, man. So it starts on Saturday night in Atlanta, a matchup I do want to talk about briefly because I think that could be another one of those like Miami Heat. They're in position to be a potential first round matchup for the Celtics. They go at Atlanta, at Houston, at Minnesota, at Portland, at Utah, and then round out with what should be a really fun game on the 21st of March at Sacramento. You know, what are the things that stand out to you, Greg, when we look at this upcoming road trip? It's a lot of traveling. Um, I think ending the road trip in Sacramento could be really, really tough for this team. That might be a game where it's a schedule loss. Like the Kings in Sacramento, a really tough team to beat. I don't have their home record, but I know it's ridiculous with the whole like the beam movement. And, you know, I, th- I think there are a lot of winnable games on this trip. I think the team should probably go four and two. I think three and three would be a disappointment. I would imagine I'm calling that Kings game a loss just at the end of the road trip. Everyone's exhausted and the Kings are tough to play. So one other game, if you had to pick one other game to lose on that trip, what would it be? Other than the Sacramento game, I mean, oddly enough, I kind of feel like that Houston game is set up for a loss. And and the reason I say that is that feels a little bit like one of those games where the Celtics just don't come out with the right mentality. And Houston's a mess. Houston's bad. But this is, you know, think of think of the Oklahoma City game. And Oklahoma City is far better than Houston is. But you come out with your guard down and, you know, the Jalen Green, Alperin Sangoon, like, like they have some guys that are talented, that are hungry, you know. And I know Jalen Green's back into, you know, mixing words with Bill Simmons again. So maybe he's he's thinking about, all right, I got I to gotta put it on the Celtics. That's Bill Simmons' team. That's like, that's going to be that he's going to take out his frustration. And so, you know, Houston would be a game that I think could be a sneaky loss. Um, just because it's it's one of those games where you don't come out with that right mentality, you think, uh, maybe, or maybe that's a game where they rest some guys on this to try to, you know, try to get sneak in some additional rest because we're getting towards that time of the season where you know health is almost more important than your record. And we talked about this. What do I care more about? Whatever seed the Celtics are or what their health is? It's the health by a mile. Yeah, you know, like I will deal with whatever the matchups are in the playoffs. Give us a healthy shot versus we get the one seed but we're missing. Rob and Brogdon and Al's, you know, age is catching up to him. Like I, I will take that healthy team and be a three seed. You know, that's something I would much rather do. Um, so I think Houston's kind of a sneaky one. Sacramento is going to be a lot of fun. Um, 
But I want to talk about Atlanta for a second, just because that is a matchup. And it was funny. I was thinking about this. When I was looking at the standings after um, they hired Quinn Snyder. After they're, I mean, they're going through their own turmoil with, you know, I, I don't think Trey, neither of us are big Trey Young guys or Trey Young believers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see what happens with them in the offseason. But I was thinking about them as they were making that coaching change. And we haven't played them since the beginning of the season. So I was like, man, why can't I picture the Celtics playing the Hawks? Oh, it's because they have a game uh, this Saturday against them. And then they close this, the very last game of the regular season mm-hmm. uh, against the Atlanta Hawks. But if we're going back to looking at the way things could shake out in the first round, I feel like if it's not the Wizards who are currently in the tensies, they'd have to win two games in that play-in if everything stays the way it is. I feel like out of that group that would be in the play-in, the Hawks would be a heaven sent to play in the first round as opposed to playing the Raptors and heat, which I think the Raptors pose a lot of similar issues to the heat as far mm-hmm. as the coaching. And then also just having, in my opinion, a much higher ceiling with their talent level. Yeah. And I, you know, the Hawks have a lot of talent. I just think the style that they play is conducive to the Celtics, just sweeping that series or gentlemen sweep winning in five games. Yeah. And it's just not going to be a physical battle, you know, like, all of the guards that we have are more physical than both of their best players. You know, Trey mm-hmm. Young is is wispy. And then DeJounte Murray also, I mean, you could describe him as wispy as well. They're just like these two guys that it looks like the wind could just carry them like the leaf in Forrest Gump. You know what I mean? And they're just like kind of floating on the breeze. And that's kind of how I see both of those guys on the offensive end. DeJounte obviously can has some good defensive chops. Um, but I, I don't think that's going to w- put a lot of wear and tear on our guys. And that's what concerns me about any matchup in the first round. I want the one matchup that will not put too much on the legs and the joints of all all the guys on the Celtics. So I think the Hawks, as you said, that would be heaven sent if somehow we ended up against the Wizards who, now, you know, I, I, they've been playing decently. They put up numbers. Porzingis having a good year. Uh, Kuzma's been playing really well. And they obviously have Bradley Beal. But like those guys, I think they could surprise somebody and end up in the eight seed. I don't see them beating like a Miami or anything like mm-hmm. that. Like I think Miami's probably going to end up being the seven seed. But the Hawks, to your point, dude, I am not scared of the Hawks whatsoever. Like bring them on. Yeah. I'm not scared of them at all. And I I think that's, but that's just an interesting game. I think to watch because that could be, you know, a playoff preview. Mm -hmm. So I do think that's one of the more interesting games as we look at this road trip. Then of course we get to say hi to old friend, Danny Ainge in Utah. And then the Sacramento one, I think that's just going to be a fun game. You know, hopefully we can maybe get our guy, Brendan Nunez back on here. We'll chop it up with him to set that preview. Um, But the Kings, you know, the, the, uh, see, are they still right now? Let me double check this. Are they the two seed, the two seed, Sacramento Kings how wild is that I mean I I want to talk to our guy because I feel like they've been the two they've been the three seed majority of the season they're mm-hmm. now up to the two seed with everything that's happened with the with the Grizzlies we talked about the John Morant situation Stephen Adams got hurt again Brandon Clark's up so they're just they're just falling apart left and right so good chance the Kings keep that two seed and you know Joe Mazzula looked like he had the inside track for coach of the year Mike Brown is is making a run at it right now mm-hmm. with the Kings climbing up the standing so that will be an interesting one to keep an eye on. But uh, like you, Greg, I think four and two feels about right for this road trip. Less than that, it will be disappointing to see that if we get a three and three split. Um, but I see here we got what else we got? 
uh, our guy Winfred here as we round out this podcast here. GWE not driving down from Austin for this highly anticipated Rockets game. Well, shout out to our fellow Texas homie here, Winfred. We're, we're not making it down for that. On a Monday night, that's a little bit of a, of a tough ask. Uh, but, you know, if those games fall on a weekend, you can make sure that that we'll find a way down there. So we'll have to we'll have to make a Texas connection here on Green with Envy. Appreciate you tuning in and appreciate everybody listening out there. You know, as you can see here, we're going to do a lot more on YouTube. We are live streaming basically all of our podcasts now. Uh, we're also putting up additional content on our YouTube page to make sure that y'all are following and subscribing as well as across our social medias for both Instagram and Twitter. But that's going to do it for this episode of Green with Envy. Greg, any final thoughts and let the people know what they're going to hear on the way out. You know, we started this podcast talking about food. I'm going to end this podcast talking about food. My lovely girlfriend, Danielle, is making some homemade crunch wraps. Have you ever had a crunch wrap supreme from um, from Taco Bell, Will? Uh, I have. I'm not a big advocate of Taco Bell, but I've had one. Why are you not a big advocate of Taco Bell? Dude, we live in Texas. There's like real, actual good Mexican food. Now, this is being home cooked, so it's different, but yeah. Taco Bell is just trash. I wouldn't call it trash. I think like it's trash, Taco, bro. Taco Bell is one of those things, like if you get it once or twice a year, it's perfect. Like Taco Bell is everything that it needs to be once or twice a year. If you're getting it like more than more than that, I think you're, you're you probably have some issues and like you're stomach. Well, there's something else going on in your yeah. life, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, when you're when you're in a place like Boston where we did not have where that's all I thought Mexican food was was Taco Bell, and then Chipotle yeah. came and it was like, oh my god, my mind is blown. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you some some leeway there, but in the land of tacos on every street corner here that are nine million times better than than Taco Bell. I refuse to, to step foot in that establishment. Yeah, and your girlfriend is Mexican from Mexico. My girlfriend is half Mexican, grew up in um, – her family was from Donna, Texas. So like, yeah, you're right, but I, I just – I don't like <laughs> – I don't I don't like saying Taco Bell's trash. I think Taco Bell – I will, I will repeat purpose. it. It is trash. Basura. <laughs> Basura for those that are out there. That's all I got. We're going to uh, end this pod here. Uh, for those of you that are listening on YouTube, not going to hear any music, but for those tuning into the pod – Music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are called Black Sheep Optimists, and this one is called Skywalker. Peace, everybody. Peace. How is it that I've never seen the stars in your eyes? A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage. Ooh, you got me tripping, and it's hard to describe. But I stay for a minute, because I'm digging the vibe. I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes. Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe. Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy. You know the one thing different is the state of your mind. I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope. I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float. You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote. But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope. Cause you know that I embody that. Would go with the flow. I can sing a different song if I cannot hit the notes. You had me taking off when you took off your clothes. This should be coming down by now, but I won't. Let's go.